This is the Northern Kentucky Football Show, the Round 2 District Championship Edition. Friday night began with 11 teams here locally, and now seven remain. Ryle, Covcath, Scott, Beechwood, Walton Verona, Newport Central Catholic, and Bishop Brossert all hoist the District Championship trophy, setting up some interesting regional final matchups, which we will get into here shortly. I was able to wrangle in Ryle football coach Mike Engler to talk about the Raiders win on Friday, another impressive showing from their defense as they limit a very good Dixie offense. Speaking of defenses, all of this week's winners had strong showings on the side of the ball, something that they will hope to replicate as they move on the next week. Joe, you spent Friday night at the soccer match. Um, What stood out to you with well, how was the soccer match? Well, first of all, the soccer match, to me, was a top 10 night I've ever had at Fox 19, doing the job that I do. That's how much fun I had. That's how great and different and unique that atmosphere was. I likened it to a concert meets a playoff game. Ooh. So you had that kind of festive energy that you get at a concert, plus the intensity and the meaningfulness of like a playoff game, considering the rivals and the importance of a World Cup qualifier, you throw that into a cocktail and you get that atmosphere there. It was wild, it was unique, and it was a great night for Cincinnati because how many times does Cincinnati get a spotlight and we just go, right? And for that one moment, when you look back at what is the biggest soccer game played in North America, it's forever going to be attached to Cincinnati in the new stadium, and showing that we can host, we can have success. And so for one night, it was great. But my takeaway was how hard it is to do TV when you're constantly being buzzed on your phone and on your watch by Steve Frohmeyer sending you scores from Northern Kentucky high school football games. Somebody had to do it. Well, the funny thing is I have to use my phone. So my phone is, if you ever watch people on TV, they have the little things in their ears. That's the way they talk to their producers. Producers can talk in their ear. You have to connect now through your cell phone. Uh. So every time I'm in, and so I can't put it on, you know, airplane mode or anything like that. I have to keep it open because I need the cell phone technology to actually listen and hear the show. And so I'm getting, <laughs> so I'm sitting here trying to talk on TV. You don't know. It's cool, yeah. man. But I'm getting all the updates. So even if I'm not responding, Steve, I'm still getting the updates. I'm still following the one Friday night uh, that I wasn't able to be on the high school sidelines. You kept me up to date. And you number two was over there doing the Friday night final quarter all by himself. He was. That's hard. You think about I that. Know. Think about editing and hosting 14 games. So I did sports rap by myself on Saturday night. And when you get done with that first block and you're by yourself and you're doing all that talking, it's like you need to bring in a fire hose and just go right in their face because you're out of breath. You're out of spit. You need something. You need a drink. And he's just going and going and going. So uh, props to Jeremy. He did a good job. Of course. I wouldn't expect anything less. He's a pro. He is. Now to the round two games from Clifford Borland Stadium in Union. Ryle 36, Dixie 7. The Raiders win their first district championship since 2016 and now seek their first regional title since 2010. The buildup to this game, including this very show, had talk of the Ryle defense and what they've been able to accomplish in big games this season. Well, the Ryle offense apparently heard this chatter and felt like they would prove everyone wrong on a cold, wet, and gusty night and do work. Ryle's offense rushed for 283 yards and gained 354 total offensive yards against a Dixie defense that's been just as sturdy as theirs have been in the recent weeks. Ryle would strike first on their opening possession of the game 
a 15-play, 79-yard drive, which featured an 18-yard run by Logan Virax that gave the Raiders the ball first and goal from the three-yard line. Lucas Kohlmeyer's one-yard touchdown run out of the Wildcat formation two plays later gave them a 6-0 lead with 2.44 left in the first, but the two-point conversion pass to Jamison Smith was no good. On Ryle's second possession of the game, a 15-play drive that took seven minutes off the clock ended in a Summer Denigan 27-yard field goal to put Ryle up 9-0. However, Logan Landers would mount his posse and lead them down the field, aided by a 36-yard catch from Brock Rice. Landers would score two plays later on a two-yard run to pull Dixie within two at 9-7, where it would stand at the break. In the third, momentum and the weather would take a huge swing the Raiders' way. Ryle would get the ball first and march 70 yards in 12 plays, capped off by a Logan Virax four-yard touchdown run that made it 16-7. After a Dixie punt that was returned 21 yards by Caden Gardner, set up good field position and a personal foul for a late hit out of bounds two plays later, Gabe Savage would run it in from six yards out to make it 23-7. In what had become a do-or-die scenario for Dixie, Landers was forced to throw the ball in a monsoon, which turned into an interception to Luke Lone as he was hit as he threw the ball, and the floodgates were open. On the next play, Nathan Yowen would break through the line and head to the crib for the 39-yard touchdown run and a 30-7 lead. Ryle would add another score with 146 left in the game on a two-yard run from freshman Bo Fowl. Nathan Yowen rushed seven times for 90 yards. Lucas Kohlmeyer rushed six times for 51 yards. Gabe Savage had 10 carries for 45 yards. Jace Harden had 11 carries for 45 yards. Logan Virax was 9 of 15 for 71 yards and rushed for 36 yards. And Bo Fowl had four carries for 11 yards. Jamison Smith had a five-yard run and caught five balls for 44 yards. And Caden Gardner had three catches for 23 yards. For Dixie, whose season ends at 7-5, Logan Landers was 10-19 of 19 for 102 yards in his final game for the Colonels. He rushed 11 times for 26 yards. Pierce Rollman rushed 9 times for 32 yards in his final game. Ryan Diltz had a 16-yard run. Brock Rice had the 36-yard catch. Diltz caught three passes for 31 yards. Devin Holbert caught two for 14 yards. Gabe Thielen had an 11-yard catch. And Roman caught three balls for 10 yards. Colin Smith had an interception on defense. Dixie will graduate 21 seniors from this team, seniors who have resurrected their program and had outstanding careers. As we say farewell to some of our favorites, we wish them well and whatever it is that they're going to do in their football future and wherever that journey takes them. Well, first off, that was a great write-up on this game because I didn't see the game, and uh, to hear how it played out was, was enlightening and also entertaining. So, you mentioned early in the show that I was at the soccer game, and the weather there wasn't terrible. It was cold. It was drizzly. It was different in Union then, huh? Oh, it was a monsoon. Really? And the gusty winds. Yeah. And so those are, you know, the moments. Hail. We, we talk about all the time, you know, it's kind of cliche, but you get to late November, you got to have the run game, you got to have the defense, because there's a lot of times the weather will dictate how a game's going to be played, and obviously weather had a big factor in this game. I also liked how you said that that defense always shows up in big games, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, you think back to even early in the season when they played Lex Catholic, mm-hmm. when they played St. X out of Louisville, the defense showed up in those games as well. So you, you lean on that in those big-time moments and those big games, and certainly Ryle leaned on it here. But it's funny that you talked about the chatter with the offense, and you know we talked about it a little bit here. And the funny thing was, and I liken this to what's happening over in Ohio with Lakota West who upset St. Xavier in the regional semifinals. You know, We spent all year long, Jeremy and I did, talking about how St. X is this death star and 
they're going to go back to the state championship and win it, apparently. And we're good friends with Lakota West head coach Tom Bolton, who's a great coach. Money Mitch. Money making Mitch. Yeah, his son's a quarterback. So apparently they put that as literal bulletin board material is some of the stuff we said about St. Xavier. And they used it, and they went out and they dominated St. X and beat him on Friday night in the regional semifinals. So a lot of times what people do say about you can be used as motivation. I'm not saying that's what happened here, but it's certainly uh, they made a statement in this game about what they are and the questions of are they the best team in Class 6A? They earned it with the regular season, but can they really complete it? They are. Ryo is the king of Class 6A in Northern Kentucky this year. They won the mythical big school state championship here. We got, or I guess, the, the Northern Kentucky Regional Championship mm-hmm. in Class 6A by taking down Dixie and doing it in fa- emphatic fashion. Really impressive. And you look at the offensive numbers, 350 total yards, 283 uh, rushing yards. But then you look at the stats closer, like no one had a really big game. No. You know, no one had a monster game that really carried this team. And again, that speaks to the depth and the versatility and the number of players who can make plays for this wild football team, both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Mike Engler talked after the game. I saw some quotes how he really liked the quarterback run game in this game, especially with the weather. Logan Virax made some plays, and then down near the goal line, we've seen Lucas Kohlmeyer. And we know a lot of teams do this where they bring in that, that the big kid, kind of a wildcat offense. We need a nickname for this, like the Kohlmeyer offense inside the five-yard line. But Lucas is a big-time weapon uh, down near the goal line. Eight touchdowns on only 44 carries this year. That's how efficient he is uh, down near the goal line. But, uh, yeah, so Riles moving on. And we'll, we'll obviously talk about the next week matchups. And they have a big one next week when they play Trinity. Um, but the other thing, we hit it on it last week, and I want to hit on it this week, is the number of players that were losing uh, to, to graduation. It happens. I get it. Turnover happens. But the seniors, Dixie, is losing. It's a big deal. And you start going through these names, and I think Logan Landers can play on the next level. I think Devin Holbrook can play on the next level. Uh, Pierce Rollman can play on the next level. Kel Hawkins can. We know Wiberly is going to play on the next level. Uh, what a senior class to mm-hmm. celebrate. Yep, Colin Smith. We Colin Smith, on. right. Yeah. Uh, so this is a senior class. I know I know it's it's sad sometimes to lose a senior class that's successful, but I do think at some point you have to step back and celebrate what these guys meant, what they did, what they accomplished. Yep. And you, you mentioned, you used the word resurrected the program. They really did. They put them back in a, in a position where they are competing to try to make a regional championship game. So the senior class should be celebrated, and I think we have, and I hope people also celebrate everything this senior class did at Dixie, but Ryle moving on with a really, really impressive win over Dixie. And here is our interview with Coach Engler. The Ryle Raiders are now 9-3 and three and advance to the regional finals after defeating Dixie 36-7. to Head coach Mike Engler joins us to talk about Friday's win and the team. Coach, congrats on the district championship, and thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, glad to be on here. I oh, appreciate it. This defensive group, man, they continue to be one of the top-tier units in the state. They hit you. They ball hawk. They have neutralized run games all season. Friday night, they held a very good Dixie offense to half of their season average and yardage. You know What more can be said about them that um, – you know, that they're just at the top of their game right now? I mean, the, first of all, it's just a great, great group of kids that just, they want to learn. I mean, they watch film. Uh, they they listen. I mean, we were so attentive in practice this past week. Uh, and, you know, I think as it gets even further in the playoffs, they know what it takes to move to that next, you know, take that next step. And, you know, and it doesn't hurt to have, 
two linebackers like Gabe and Jackson inside. That it, it, but it takes a lot more than that, though. I mean, our guys have bought into the not being selfish and realized that, you know, that their job is not necessarily like Trey Fleek at the defensive end is doing an unbelievable job. And, but he never gets in the stats because he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that is funneling those guys into Gabe and Jackson. Yeah. So if those guys up front, uh, and even the guys in the back, I mean, <laughs> you know what's even more funny? is half of their yards that they got the other night came on one pass play that should have been intercepted that went through Kane Gardner's hands and uh, the Rice kid mm-hmm. uh, made, a big, made a good catch. Yeah, but it should have been picked off. Uh, but they're doing their job in covering guys and not allowing guys to get open and getting in passing lanes and, and taking that away because one of Dixie's strengths was throwing the out and throwing the uh, the quick ball and things like that. And we just took that away from them. You know, last week on the show, Joe talked about how your offense doesn't have one or two dudes that have all the yards and all the points, but that there's nine or ten who consistently show up, do their job, whether it be rushing, passing, combination. Uh, and it benefits the whole team. And I'll start with Logan Virax. Obviously, he's the quarterback. He's passed for 2,200 yards. He's rushed for 300. He's accounted for 22 touchdowns this season. You know, he's come so far since the beginning of the year, especially in the passing game. Uh, he's filled the shoes of Braden Lyons very well. And is honestly, I went back and looked. He's putting up numbers that are similar and getting close to Tanner Morgan, who is one of the best to ever wear the uniform. What is it about this young man that gives him his swagger and his confidence and helps him lead? Number one is he, he listens and wants to learn. Like, he, he came to my rap every single day this past week and watched film and rap. And, you know, that tells me he's wanting to do what he needs to do uh, to be successful. And I told him, honestly, uh, I told him last week, I said, we're going to go as far as you take us. Mm-hmm. And uh, because our defense, as good as they are, our offense, we have some guys that can go and score and all that stuff. But if your quarterback can't get it done – it's not going to get done. And the other night, he played unbelievable. Yes, he did. Uh, he, did every, he did everything that we asked him to do. Um, and, that, and, and a lot of what we asked him to do the other night was because of their defensive scheme was to football. And so we developed some rollouts, what looked like passing, what looked like passing stuff, but it was actually called run plays. Uh, and so, and, and I told him, I said, these guys are going to, flow out of there and as soon as they started coming up then we were able to throw the, throw the football and uh i know a couple times he hit jameson smith uh on some of those things on the rollouts and, and but the big key is he's starting to listen he's starting to grow up he's starting to become uh you know an upper class instead of a first year sophomore starter i love it you and here's the other thing you've got a pirate ship full of cats that are effective out of the backfield jace harden nathan yowen gabe savage lucas colmeyer Michael Lanier, and there's a bunch of others. And then a whole other troop of kids who were just as impressive in the passing game, Caden Gardner, Gavin Roark, Jameson Smith, like you mentioned, Hunter Vaughn, as well as Harden. As, as a coach, I realize this system does not work unless the players buy into it. They're able to root for other people's success instead of theirs. Does that sum up this group of kids and what they've collectively been able to do? Oh, definitely. Uh, what a lot of people don't see is how well uh, Gavin and uh, and Hunter Vaughn played the other night. A lot of people 
don't see they, – they did not catch a ball. Did not even have a ball thrown to them the other mm-hmm. night. But their blocking was unbelievable. Like, there was one time we were uh, – that Hunter just read that they were in a man coverage – and he decides, instead of running his actual route, he knew that the guy was going to chase him. So he took an outside release and ran a vertical to open Jamison up for a five-yard hitch route instead of that corner being able to see. You know, and it's like, and he knew the ball was not going to be thrown to it. And that just sums up, you know, how not selfish uh, these guys are and how they're taking, you know, they know what it takes mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to take that next step. And, you know, and they're going to have to be even better this week playing Louisville Trinity sure. and stuff. So uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. And looking ahead to Trinity, no one in your building is fooled by their record stat-wise. You two are very similar in how you distribute the ball offensively. And it was only a matter of time before they became Trinity-like on their defense. Uh, what are a couple keys to victory that will be talked about in your field house this week for the Raiders? I honestly, I was actually getting ready to st- sit down and uh, start watching a lot of film on them this afternoon. Uh, I haven't watched a whole lot yet, but the key to our success will be us just doing our job. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we're not we're not scared of them. I mean, we've played Saint X, we've played all those teams this year. Our kids and our kids, you know, we watched the the Saint X Trinity game uh, before we played Saint X, and so you know, we know that they're a good football team. But I think the biggest key is I think a lot of teams when they go in and they see the name Trinity on yeah, their jersey yeah. or the name Saint X on their jersey that the game's over before it ever starts. Well, I want to tell you that's not going to happen with our kids this week because we've already played. You know, our kids are used to playing those type of teams, and uh, that's what we're looking more, more forward to is that we're going to concentrate on winning a football game, and I think we got. To pretty good shot at it and you've played this schedule to set yourself up to succeed in a game like this when you had mentioned a, a, a saint x and you got lex kath uh cuff kath at the end uh, in week 11 where some people would think why in the world we play this game you're playing this tough well-coached team just to get ready because to win 6a and to get to the finals you've got to play teams like that to be ready oh absolutely and that's why you play teams mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, people look at your schedule. Oh, well, you lost three games. Well, we lost three pretty good football games, <laughs> yes, and we were did. in. We were in every single one of them yep. with chances to win. And this team reminds me uh, a lot of the sixteen team. I didn't mean to cut you off. You know, the sixteen team that had had run undefeated. I mean, this team in, in the games that the three games that you lost are you know one score games and a, a ten points at Saint X. You know, could have very easily have gone that way as well. We've talked about that for weeks. Huh. If we had Summer Dennigan in the first game, we probably would have tied and won, beat Lexcott in overtime. Uh, you know, and the St. X game could have very easily have gone yeah. either way, you know, break here or there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize we had five starters that we didn't play against Cocat. So, uh, not saying that that would have made a difference because, you know, Eddie's doing a great job and they got a good football team. But um, it, it, it does make a difference on a really, really nasty night. In those circumstances, but we got a lot of young kids, a lot of playing time that night to get ready for the playoffs. Before I let you go, I saw that the eighth grade Union Raiders won the middle school state championship yesterday. Man, kudos to them! I saw oh. some, I saw some uh, real familiar names uh, being mentioned there: Virax, <laughs> Savage, Lee. I mean, are the Northern Kentucky coaches ready for another Savage? <laughs> uh, they better get ready for another Savage. Than, uh, and uh, actually, another Varick's all of them coming up. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be scary. Good. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. Uh, rooting for you this week and wishing you guys the best of luck, okay? All right, thank you. Kevin and Catholic, 35, Connor, 14. The Colonels rushed 
to their 11th straight district championship with their defense holding Connor's ground game to 58 yards, 110 yards below their weekly average. Cuffcath got on the board first on a Preston AG 37-yard touchdown run in the first. The extra point was no good, and the Colonels led 6 to nothing. Connor would take a 7-6 lead late in the first quarter on a three-yard touchdown run from Alex Castrusi and Nick Keller extra point. Next, AG would score his second touchdown of the night on a one-yard run on a fourth and goal play to make it 12-7. AG would hit Reed Hummel for the two-point conversion to make it 14-7. After a Cougar punt, Reed Hummel would burst through the middle and head to the house for the 50-yard touchdown run to make it 21-7. Eli Nally's 40-yard field goal would make it 24-7, and his 32-yard field goal with 3.52 left in the third quarter put Cuffcath up 27-7. Throughout the year, when the Cougars needed a big play, they called in the A-team, which they did once more. Elijah Thompson's 75-yard touchdown pass from Castrusi would cut the Colonel lead to 13 at 27-14 to with 3-4 left in the third. However, on the next Cuffcath possession, Reed Hummel would fake out a Cougar defender and sprint his butt to the end zone for the 39-yard touchdown. Preston Agee would put the icing on the cake with a two-point conversion as the Colonels head to the regional final. Reed Hummel rushed eight times for 131 yards. Preston Agee rushed 20 times for 127 yards and was 6 of 11 for 117 yards passing. Braden Collins rushed for 12 yards. Dallas Worth and Nick Darple had 8-yard runs. John Linehan had a 5-yard run. Trevor Wilson and Zion Mason combined for 6 yards on 5 carries. Adam Holtz had 3 catches for 65 yards. David Sullivan had 2 catches for 39 yards. And Zion Mason had a 13-yard catch. Braden Collins led the defense with 8 tackles, one being for loss. Colin Gastride had six, two for loss. Sullivan had five. Mason had four, two being for loss. Darple, Wilson, and Oliver Bent also had four. Robbie Sanfis and Aiden Jones had three. Uh, don't have defensive or offensive stats for Connor. They finished seven and five and will graduate 21 seniors from this team as well. Some of our true favorites. Yeah, including Alex Castries at the quarterback. They lose him. Uh, Lindemann, Melcher, a couple of names that are also graduating. And a really good senior class who had a really big win in round one, taking down a rival to get this chance to play against Covcath. And that Elijah Thompson 75-yard touchdown. We haven't seen teams hit big plays against Covcath uh, very often this year, if at all. Uh, so for him to make that kind of play, that shows the kind of player that both he and Castrusi are uh, to hit on a 75-yard touchdown pass against a really good defense. But here's Cuffcath now right back in the spot where we typically see them. They haven't lost in 57 days. Seven straight wins and playing their best football now at the most important time of the year. And we go back again to the, the big change at quarterback when Preston Agee came in and you know settled that offense. And I think he's showing he can be a capable passer. Mm-hmm. You know, he threw for 117 yards in this game, threw it 11 times, six of 11. But what has made the identity is is this football team since he came in running the football, playing defense. So since he took over as starting quarterback, I, I wanted to see how many times they're running the ball a game since he took over. So here they are in the five games, the number of times they've run it. 39 times, 34 times, 44 times, 51 times, 42 times. That's 210 times in five games. So you know what they're going to do, and still to go out there and score 35 points doing it, I think speaks to not only the identity of the football team, not only Preston's talent, not only Reed Hummel's talent, but also an offensive line who now feels very comfortable with this offense 
pushing guys off the ball and making a difference that way. You go back to this game where it was seven to six, fourth and goal at the one. You talk about where things change. If Connor gets a stop there, but they don't, Cubcast scores, gets the punt, scores a long touchdown. Games can change on those one or two plays throughout a game, and it certainly changed when Cuffcath was able to uh, convert that fourth and one near the goal line. But we talk a lot about Preston Agee on the show. Reed Hummel yeah. is having a big-time year for Cuffcath. Sure. He's approaching a 1,000-yard season, mm-hmm. rushing the ball. He's already over 1,000 total yards, but he's at 901, leads the team in rushing uh, so far as they go on to play for a regional championship next week. But this defense, again, is what's really making this thing go. It's the offense with the run game. It's the defense. And, uh, you know, great coaching staff. Obviously, they know what they're doing. have a big challenge coming against Woodford County, who's one of the better offensive teams in the state. But to win 35-14, we wondered if Connor might be able to make this closer than it was last time. It was a 20-point game in the regular season, 21-point game in the playoffs. So, Cubcat consistent in the two games against Connor this year. Elijah Thompson is back. He'll be the man next year out at Connor, uh, but some big losses for Connor. We're going to be sad to see some of their best players not be back in uniform next year. Scott High, 43, Harrison County, 7. The Eagles raised the district title trophy for the third time in program history and do so on a record-breaking night for senior quarterback Gus Hallett, who entered Friday's game needing 77 passing yards to become the all-time leading passer in school history. Not to be underscored, the Scott defense came to play, and Nolan Hunter had three touchdown catches to lead the Eagles on offense. Scott took a 7 to nothing lead on their first possession on a 37-yard touchdown pass from Hallett to Nolan Hunter. Late in the first quarter, Hallett would find Hunter all alone on a fade route for a 45-yard touchdown and a 14 to nothing lead with that completion. Hallett surpassed 1996 graduate Andy Powers and his school record of 5,008 passing yards. On the ensuing thoroughbred possession, Caden Custard's pass was deflected by Cam Patterson and into the hands of Hallett, who would return at 65 yards for the score and the 21-0 lead. After Harrison County turned it over on downs near the end of the half, Hunter would get his third touchdown catch of the night on a 49-yard bomb from Hallett to give the Mullets a 28-0 lead at the break. <laughs> In the third, after Harrison County punted the ball away on their opening possession, Scott would take over on the thoroughbred 43-yard line a few plays later. Hallett would scramble and find Cameron Patterson for the nine-yard touchdown catch. Benny Hill's two-point conversion would make it 36 to nothing, where it would stay until midway through the fourth when Benny Hill would bust through the line and take it 56 yards to the house and a 43 to nothing lead. Harrison County would add a late touchdown, but the Eagles win at home and advance to the regional finals. Gus Hallett was 7 of 11 for 162 yards and rushed five times for 32 yards. Nolan Hunter caught three passes for 126 yards. Cam Patterson had four catches for 37 yards. Benny Hill had seven carries for 79 yards. And Jordan Johnson had a 13-yard catch. Luke Iden was 5-for-5 five five on extra points. Damon Hacker led the defense with 13 tackles, one being for loss. Zach Shepard had nine. Nate Meyer had seven. Dasani Lane had six. Riley Huff had five. Sage Lally had five and a sack. Boomer Klusman also had five. Zach Weir and Aaron Cummins had four. And Cameron Patterson had three. So you said third district championship yes. in school history. Yeah. When was the last one? Do you know? Ooh, um, within the last two years. Okay. This is Coach Turner's second. Very good. I don't know if yes. there's like an in-house line here. We can call Coach Turner. I'm sure he's in here watching film somewhere. Congratulate yeah. him on what he's been doing. Because I remind you that Scott lost back-to-back games to end the regular season by a combined score of 81-7. to And look where they are now. Yep. And I think that speaks to, again, coaching and character of the teams. But Gus Hallett. 
what he's doing here in the playoffs yeah. uh, should be celebrated and remembered for a long time here at Scott High School. So four touchdowns on offense and a pick six on mm -hmm. defense. So he had five touchdowns in this game. I combined his two playoff games, what he's done so far. If you take passing yardage, running yardage, and then the return yardage, because it was a long pick six, so I know that's not a thing. But if you add all that together, he's at more than 500 yards and nine touchdowns in two playoff games. Wow. That's a legendary run yeah. here for a quarterback at Scott High School. Nolan Hunter, big-time playmaker in this game. Yes. I mean, he's like Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. I mean, you, you get three catches, and they're all for touchdowns. That's a big-time night. Three catches, 126, and three scores. Good to see Cameron Patterson back making plays mm -hmm. back in the end zone with this one. And you mentioned also made the tip that led to Gus Hallett getting into the end zone. He's one of the top athletes and top playmakers on this team for him to get out there and make some plays. And Damon Hacker. 25 tackles now in the playoffs, two for loss. He's been all over the place, and Scott goes out there, and I thought they would win this game, but they've gone out and made a statement in both weeks here uh, against Holmes and now Harrison County by winning convincingly to set themselves up for a chance to win a regional championship. Beachwood, 48, Holy Cross, nothing. Beachwood's Kroger Field or bus season remains perfect with a strong passing game performance from their offense and another stingy night for their defense. Parker Mason's 16-yard touchdown catch from Cameron Hergett midway through the first gave the Tigers a 7-0 lead. Cameron Hergett followed that up with a 17-yard touchdown run on their next possession to make it 14-0. Torin O'Shea would then score on a 6-yard touchdown pass near the end of the first quarter to make it 21-0. In the second, Hergett would again find O'Shea for a 10-yard touchdown pass and a 28-0 lead. Minutes later, Parker Mason would find Pater on a 77-yard touchdown catch and then Mitchell Berger's 1-yard touchdown run with 4.53 remaining in the half would send Beachwood into the half with a 42-0 lead. Midway through the third, Clay Hayden would hit Luke Erdman, both freshmen, in the flats, and he would motor 50 yards to the house and the first varsity score of his career. Cam Hergett was 7 of 11 for 164 yards. Clay Hayden was 4 of 8 for 100 yards. Hergett rushed five times for 38 yards. Mitch Berger rushed four times for 36 yards. And Xander Riegler rushed for three yards. Parker Mason got three passes for 124 yards. Luke Erdman had the 50-yard catch. Talon Linder had a 30-yard catch. James Cusick had two catches for 20 yards. Torin O'Shea had two catches for 16 yards. Keaton Durrett had a 13-yard catch, and Liam McCormick had an 11-yard catch. Xavier Campbell had a sack on defense. Colin Conero had a fumble recovery. Landon Eiler and Carson Craycraft had interceptions. For the Indians, who finished at 4-8, LeVar Jones rushed for 79 yards, and Javier Eisen rushed for 23 yards and threw for 45 yards. Terrell Moses had a 32-yard catch. Landon Phillips had a 7-yard catch and returned 6 kicks for 106 yards. Cade Lemkel had a 6-yard catch. Holy Cross will graduate 11 seniors from this year's team. and Wishing them luck. This is Beachwood's 5th shutout of the season, and the running tally for the year is now Beachwood 578 points and their opponents 70 Wow. Is where Beachwood is with their undefeated Kroger Field or, or bust. bust. You like that? You got to make that a t-shirt. No. We can put that on the front Somebody and can. then a picture of you on the back. No. Maybe that picture of you with your white hat on that you have on Twitter. <laughs> no. It's a good I'm shot, good. though. Oh, thanks. Was that professionally done? <laughs> no. It was just <laughs> Wayne Littmer just there. What well, do you to do? Well, Wayne Littmer is the man. He is. So everything he takes is professionally done. So Cam Hergett, we talked about it. He completed the 2K, 1K. He's now over 2,000 passing yards, 
and 1,000 rushing yards for the season and 50 total touchdowns. Wow. Cam Hergett back with 50 touchdowns this season. Uh, he had his typical game where he finished with as many touchdowns as incompletions. Four. That's the kind of efficiency he's playing with this year. So Parker Mason, Mitchell Berger, we know without Avery Courtney and Brady Moore that these two, they're going to rely on those two to be big-time playmakers. They showed up, and they did it. In a, in a game where they were expected to make plays, they did it, uh, both making plays and scoring touchdowns. Toron O'Shea was a guy who had a really big moment in the state championship last year. It seems like every time they get in these big games, Toron O'Shea starts to make plays. So he made a couple of plays and caught two touchdowns in this game. But a big opportunity here for Xander Riegler. Yeah. You know, he, he's been popping all year long. Yeah. And the cool thing about it is there, there isn't a lot of pressure on the running backs for Beachwood just because Cam Hargett takes so much pressure off of them because he's probably the number one option as a runner on this football team. So if it's Berger, if it's Xander Riegler, whoever it is getting the ball, they don't have to feel like there's a ton of pressure on them because Mr. Football can take some of that pressure off in the run game. So Beachwood looks like they are Kroger Field or bust. Not sure who's going to stand in their way before they get there, but they uh, have to keep continuing to play and keep winning these games, and they've looked good so far doing it. For Holy Cross, finishing 4-8, and eight, I wrote down some of the names that are coming back for this team. Javier Eisen, he's coming back. Javier Ward is coming back. LeVar Jones, they're all back. So the top three skill position players for Holy Cross are all coming back. They do lose Cade Lemkel and Braden Niemeyer. Those are the two leading tacklers and I think best defensive players on this team. That's 36 combined tackles for loss and 12 sacks this year they have to replace. So big-time shoes to fill for Holy Cross on defense, but Holy Cross really came on at the end of the season, hopefully built some momentum into Mm -hmm. the offseason for these young guys to see they can have success if they continue to follow course and follow Coach Kazerski and have a better year next year. But Beachwood, they look like the steamroller we thought they would be in the playoffs and moving on now to play for regional championship newport central catholic 54 dayton six the breads move to nine and three and win their third consecutive district title on a four touchdown night for junior luke runyon demetric welch put newcath on the board with an 18 yard touchdown run on their first possession luke runyon's 28 yard touchdown catch from colton smith made it 14 to nothing halfway through the first quarter Seconds later, Runyon would pick off Dayton's Russell McIntyre and scoot 45 yards to the crib and a 21-0 lead after a Green Devil punt. Dominic Morgan would scoot 14 yards on first down, then a play later would run it in from 20 yards out to make it 27-0. Dayton would take possession and be forced to punt just before the end of the quarter. Sadly, Luke Runyon was waiting to return the punt, which he did, 63 yards to the house. His third touchdown of the night, and Newcath led 33-0 after one. Dayton would get on the board early in the second quarter on a Preston Baggett 89-yard touchdown catch from McIntyre. The two-point conversion was no good, and Newcath led 33-6. On their first possession of the third quarter, Colton Smith found Luke Runyon for the 29-yard touchdown catch to make it 40-6. Captain Morgan would then score in a nine-yard touchdown catch a few minutes later to make it 47-7, and Matthew Landrum's 65-yard pick six near the end of the third quarter would end the scoring at 54-6. Luke Runyon finished the night with three catches for 69 yards and returned two kicks for 85 yards. Colton Smith was 11 of 13 for 170 yards. Dom Morgan rushed five times for 51 yards and caught four passes for 48 yards. Nick Rouse had a 29-yard catch, and Matthew Landrum caught three passes for 24 yards. Ryan Barth was 6 of 6 on extra points. For Dayton, whose season ends at 5-7, and seven, Russell McIntyre was 10 of 19 for 165 yards. 
but threw three interceptions. He rushed for 20 yards as well. Preston Baggett caught four passes for 110 yards and rushed for eight yards. Maverick Katakora caught two passes for 18 yards. Keith Souter and Brian Lewis both had 11-yard catches. Caden Carraway, Carson Trimnell, and McIntyre also caught passes. Isaiah Lovins returned four kicks for 50 yards. Dayton will lose 12 seniors from this team, including major contributors on both sides of the ball. Wishing them well as they move on. So I'm trying to recall the recap here. Luke Runyon finished with four touchdowns, correct? Mm-hmm. So he scored on a pick six. Pick six. He scored on a punt return. Two pass catches. And two pass catches. Did he also wash Captain Morgan's car after the game as well? He I mean, probably did. He did this everything is why else. he's the best of all the Runyons. <laughs> his older brothers, they couldn't. Uh, they can't even wash his uniform. Ooh. The they Runyons. they have mullets too, some of them. Do they really? That's a, it's a travesty. That's okay. Hey, man. More power to them. <laughs> the mullet is back, baby. So is Newcath. Back in the same spot we always expect him to be, right? Back here playing for regional championships. And you know, we've talked so many times this year about Newcath and different people making so many plays for this team. They have a lot of options, and they've shown that now throughout the season. And to Dayton's credit, Dayton made this a four-quarter game when these teams met in the regular season in October Newcath, a lot of times when you play a team that you, you are better than, and we, I feel comfortable saying that Newcath has has a, a team that should win this game and did win this game. you got to make sometimes a statement of the first quarter and, and take control of the game and, and say, this is going to be different, we're not going to let you hang around, and they did that emphatically by making plays in the first quarter and jumping on Dayton early in this game and uh, you know, kind of took it out of hand won this game 54-6. to six. Uh, For Dayton, though, finishing 5-7 and seven with a playoff win and – and Steve, the paddle. So Dayton's got five wins, a playoff win, and the paddle to hang up and, and remember this year. Devils! I almost missed my cue, <laughs> but I got it in there. I'm glad we did it one more time because more they deserved time. it because they had a great year. But uh, Preston Baggett, how about 96-yard punt, fake touchdown? That's one he'll remember, but this one's about Luke Runyon and the Breds, 9-3, and three, and... Doing what they do, man. This is what they do. They get in November and they start winning games in the playoffs, and they've won two here and a chance to win a third next week and win a regional championship. Bishop Brosser, 36, Nicholas County, nothing. The Mustangs continue to play with house money during this dream season, shutting out the Blue Jackets for the second time this year to win the first district championship in program history. Per bmustangs.com, Brosser scored on all six of their first-half possessions to initiate the mercy rule by halftime. Jed Martin's four-yard touchdown run in the first put the Mustangs on the board. Dave Govan's two-point conversion would make it 8 to nothing. Martin would score again on their next possession with another four-yard run to make it 15 to nothing. Jacob Light's six-yard touchdown run near the end of the first quarter made it 22 to nothing. After an Evan North fumble recovery, Dave Govan found the end zone on a four-yard run of his own to make it 28 to nothing. Jed Martin would get his third touchdown of the night on an eight-yard run that capped off a 99-yard drive for the Brossard offense. Jacob Light led the offense all night with 13 carries and 220 yards. The real Jed Mart rushed 14 times for 118 yards. Derek Martin had two carries for 13 yards. Evan Orth rushed for seven yards, and Dave Govan rushed for six. Light completed one pass to Sam Willicke for 17 yards. Eli Twihus also had a completion from Keegan Gully. The Brosser defense throws its sixth shutout of the season, and they were led by Caleb Lukes, who had nine tackles. Eli Twihus had six. Evan Orth had four, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Thomas Sayers had three tackles and a forced fumble. 
Austin Shaler also forced the fumble, had two tackles. Brossard's defense had seven tackles for loss. Braden Kitron closed the game out with an interception that he returned 37 yards to set up the victory formation for the offense. Good on the Mustangs. Yeah, good on the Mustangs because we talked even halfway through the season about what this was about. We, we knew they were going to have a successful regular season. We wondered if they would finish it undefeated. They did. But it was like, can you get to the playoffs and, and win multiple games? Challenge accepted and mission accomplished of winning multiple playoff games, winning a district championship, and now getting a chance to play for a regional title. You know, and we talked about the performance last week against Paris. And, you know, I don't know enough about Nicholas County to know the different level of competition. They shut them out in the regular season, 14 nothing, But to go out and win 36 nothing, you wonder sometimes, you know, and we talk about the psychology of a high school football player sometimes, you get the pressure of that first week of the playoffs and all the, the eyeballs on you and the big target of the undefeated team. You go out there and you, you get past Paris and you take the breath, right? All right. Back playing football, back on our home field, and they go out and they, they play much, I don't know, much better, uh, much looser, and certainly they put up a bigger scoreline here, winning 36 nothing. So you wonder if that transition now to the playoffs yeah. and, mm-hmm. and being a hunted team that they're kind of getting used to it a little bit. Uh, Brossard's 12-0, and only allowed 54 points all season long in, in 12 games. You said the sixth shutout of the season for them. You know, we talk so much about Jacob Light and Jed Martin on the show. Look, they combined for 338 yards and four touchdowns. We should talk about them. I wish I knew the names of all of the starting offensive linemen on this team because we always talk about the skill position players, and, and they deserve the shine. They're really talented kids, but Bishop Brossard – isn't Bishop Brossard undefeated without an offensive line who's pushing people around and giving Jacob and the only Jed Mart places to run. So shout out to the offensive line. You know who you are. If your parents are listening to, you know what your sons are doing on that. I wish I knew all of their names so we could talk about them. And hopefully somebody, Facebook Steve, with the <laughs> entire list of offensive line. It's only five guys. We could talk about them. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about them next week here on the show. So I'm sure somebody will. But, but defense, let me put a bow on this with this defense, right? No points allowed in the second round playoff game. Seven tackles for loss. So making plays in the backfield. They held Nicholas County to 86 yards in this game. You combine that run game, that offensive line, yep. and that defense, that's why you're talking about a team undefeated, mm-hmm. now 12-0, and 0, yes, sir. and now playing for a regional title. Walton Verona, 27, Carroll County, 7 for the fourth year in a row. The Bearcats hoist the district championship trophy on their home field and advance to the regional finals. What a night for sophomore running back Tyson Beach. Tyson rushed for 158 yards and three rushing touchdowns and caught an 11-yard touchdown pass to account for all four Barthcat touchdowns. Trey Hatmaker had a 34-yard catch as well. Wiley Baker had eight carries for 46 yards. Max Montgomery had two carries for 30 yards. And Ben Teepee had five carries for 14 yards. Nolan Art had 12 tackles for the Barth defense, including a tackle for loss. Logan Ryan had eight tackles, one for loss, and a sack. Carter Birch had six. Nick Alexander had six. With two being for a loss and a sack, Chris Harward also had six tackles, with one being for loss. Trey Hatmaker and Braden Daniels each had five, with Trey getting a tackle for loss. And Zach Watson had four tackles, two being for loss. I'm not sure there's much else I can say about Tyson Beach. He is the breakout player in Northern Kentucky this year. I didn't know anything about Tyson until I saw him play in person earlier in the year, and then you're seeing what he's done all year long, over 1,000 total yards. 
12 touches in this game, 169 yards and four touchdowns. You mentioned all four touchdowns for yeah. Walton Verona. That's how important and he I texted is to you that one of the that buzzes was, you got. I was probably Tyson talking Beach about is going off. I was probably talking about Christian Pulisic and dealing with a bunch of rowdy fans, and I'm getting text about Tyson Beach yeah, scoring you got touchdowns. Mullets down in beers. And <laughs> how how good was that? Jesus. If you want to know what I'm great. talking about, yeah, go to my Twitter. You'll find, and I'll tell you a little bit about that guy after the show. It's kind of funny. I don't want to give away his identity here publicly because he's don't do that. Kind of an important guy. So uh, Walton Verona beat Carroll County 24 seven in the regular season. Now beat him 27 seven in the playoffs behind Tyson Beach and uh, Trey Hatmaker. I continue to talk about him. Um, friend of the show, Trey Hatmaker, interception and a 34-yard catch. So he's catching passes on both sides of the football. Seven straight wins for Walton Verona. This is like Newcath. It's what they do, man. They get here into the playoffs and they win. Look, program consistency is not easy. Nope. It is not easy, especially at some of the smaller schools. And you see it from Walton Verona and what they've done. It is a credit to the coaching staff, to that entire community who embraces football. Football means a lot to Walton Verona, and um, I'm happy for their success because the the start of the season uh, looked a little rough. It looked a little rough. They had some injuries, and uh, they really bounced back, and they've really highlighted some of these young guys. And that's the exciting thing about Walton Verona. This, This kind of feels like it might even be, even though they have that program consistency, this group might feel a year ahead of schedule. Yeah because of what they have coming back and what they're going to do going forward, especially with Beach being the breakout star. But still, to, to get back to the spot we're expecting to be, I think is a is a credit to the program and credit to all the kids out there at Walt Verona. The regional final games, Newport Central Catholic will travel to Russellville, who is 10-1 and one and number one in Class A RPI. Bishop Brossert will travel to Raceland, who is 11-1 and one and number three in RPI. Beachwood will host... Walton Verona, Scott will travel to Boyle County, who is 11 and one, and number one in RPI in 4A. Covenant Catholic will travel to Woodford County, who was undefeated, and number one in 5A RPI. And Ryle will host Trinity, who is five and seven. So let's go through these games. I think one at a time, and let's start with uh, what's here on the list first. With his new cat traveling to Russellville, you mentioned number one mm-hmm. in RPI in Class A. Yeah. The game within the game here, and if you go through Russellville's season stats, you're going to see an excellent defensive team. Top 10 in the state in points allowed per game. They are 8th in the state in passing defense, 2nd in the state with 19 interceptions. Mm. So the game within the game there is Russellville's pass defense against Colton Smith, who's really emerged as one of the better quarterbacks in Northern Kentucky, but a young guy, big spot. Really good defense. I can't wait to see how Colton Smith does in this game. You have it written here. Upset watch. I do. You're on upset watch. Yeah. If Newcath were to beat Russellville on the road with a sophomore quarterback, that that's a that's a big ask for here's, a young person. Here's why but I, I have think that. he can do it. it Newcath has traditionally traveled downstate well in the playoffs, whether they've been in one A or in two A and played teams that are undefeated or number one in this or number one in that. Their defense is playing really well. They can run the ball well. They've shown that they can throw it. So, Okay, the other one to watch in Class A is Bishop Brossard traveling to Raceland. Raceland is third in RPI. Brossard is fifth in single A, so you're looking at both teams being in the top five in RPI. Uh, Raceland is 11-1. and one. Only loss is to Russell, the highest-rated team in Class A. 
by RPI. So uh, that's the one thing I was looking at here is, is obviously Raceland is very battle-tested. They are. They play a physical. tough schedule, and they're physical. I watched them on Friday. They're physical. They don't have any common opponents, but Raceland, if you, if you dig into the stats a little bit, they're, they're top 20 in the state in rushing defense, only allowing 86 yards a game. So a lot like Newcath against Russellville, strength on strength, passing against pass defense. You're talking about Brossard with that offensive line, who I can't wait to shout out. And Jacob Light, and the only Jed Mart, that run game for Brossard against that run defense for Raceland is going to be the kind of the game to watch here in this game. There's no real big star at Raceland. They're very balanced individually and collectively on both sides of the football. I mean, it's kind of a this is a hard spot here. Raceland's really good for yes, Bishop Brossard, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, you go in there twelve and zero, having a great season. Obviously, Bishop Brossard's a very confident team uh, going on the road here. Got to have that run game going against a really good run defense to have a chance to win this game. So the next game we'll look at here is Walton Verona and Beachwood. And we understand that Beachwood will be a heavy favorite in this game. Heavy favorite to get back to Kroger Field and play for a state championship. Side note, by the way, Lexington Catholic, or excuse me, Lexington Christian, the team that everybody's kind of pointing towards Beachwood playing in the state championship for a second year in a row. They've scored 129 points in two playoff games. Jeez. They look like a monster right now. So Lexington Christian's likely going to make it out of their side of the bracket. Beachwood's got to go through Walton Verona here to get to the next round. Um, let's shout out Walton Verona. You mentioned the program consistency, what they've done winning district championships. They now have had four straight years of winning multiple playoff games. And again, that that should be celebrated and talked about as they go to Beachwood and play against uh, the Tigers in Fort Mitchell. And then Scott traveling to Boyle County. Um, you talk about a team, Boyle County, who I, I looked up and read about and looked at video of. <laughs> That's an impressive football team. 11-1, mm-hmm. and one, number one in Class 4A RPI. Have you heard about this kid, Cold Lanter? This is the passer? He is the, the running. Quarter, he is the, the wide receiver. Okay. Well, so I know they got a two thousand yard passer. They have. There are people out there with short lists for Mister Football, and Boyle County has two people on that very short list. Their quarterback, Jagger Gillis. That's it. Okay. Jagger Gillis, the quarterback. Sounds like a quarterback name. He does. Moves like Jagger. He completes nearly seventy percent of his passes. He has twenty five touchdown passes this year and two interceptions. So it's Lanter Cole Lanter, the wide receiver, who Frederick Douglass's coach. Recently tweeted, besides Michael Mayer, he said Cole Lanter is the second best player he's ever coached against. Wow. He's got 18 touchdown catches this year, second in the state. So that combination of Gillis and Lanter is going to be a big test for the Scott defense to try to somehow contain these guys and go on a road and spring an upset. So that's what Scott's going up against this week in Class 4A. And then you get to the two uh, 5A and 6A games. And, and this one's interesting. It's Again, it's strength on strength with Covcath traveling to play at Woodford County. It's interesting that now that I look at it, Beachwood and Ryle are the only two teams locally who are hosting. Yes. We have a lot of road games this week for the local teams. But the Covcath versus Woodford County. Woodford County is undefeated. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Maybe you can get out and cover Beachwood this week. We'll get some help. That's the thing. We're going to call Lexington. Lexington will get us some highlights. I think Woodford County's near Frankfurt. There's an inside joke so they there. They get out there. Oh, There's an inside joke there. Oh, I missed it. You missed that. I missed the joke. I served it. You did. And I whiffed. Yeah, I got a call this week <sighs> from a disgruntled Beachwood fan. Older Beachwood fan 
who we didn't show any highlights of Beachwood on Friday night, even though I think we've shown them, I don't know, 20 of their last 25 games. You know, we can't get to every game every Friday night. And, you know, sometimes we pick and choose what we think are going to be yeah. the better games. Yeah. Look, we're going to be covering Beachwood here for probably another three or four weeks. So, uh, yeah, that's fine. We don't cover Beachwood enough, says him. That's that's cool. So the Cubcath woodford County game. Woodford County is undefeated. Yep. Highest scoring team in the state. Just a tick above Beachwood, in fact, averaging nearly 50 points a game to give Cubcath people who might be listening to this uh, a bit of a temperature on what they're all about a couple of opponents you might know from here in Northern Kentucky. They played Simon Kenton, beat them 50-13. to They played Campbell County, beat them 34-13 very early in the season. Woodford County is number three in the state in scoring margin. Average margin of victory is 37 points per game. They also are playmakers on defense. They're top 20 in the state in fumbles forced and interceptions. It's going to be that Cubcat defense, who's one of the better defenses in the entire state, against that really high-powered, really efficient offense of Woodford County. I think this is a close one. I, I don't know who to pick. I don't know enough about Woodford County, but people who know more about this stuff than I do have told me this should be a really good football game. I'm riding with Preston AG and the Terry Brown defenses. Yeah, Terry Brown defense is doing things, man. Mm-hmm. They're having a great season. And, and Reed Hummel and the boys. Yeah, so that, see if the run game can lean on Woodford County a little bit. And that's the thing, too. It's like what also helps the Cubcat defense is having an offense that controls the ball and limits the number of possessions Woodford County is going to get. So maybe that frustrates them a little bit. Maybe it takes them out of their game and they're not scoring their typical 35, 45-point games and it's a lower-scoring game, and that might play into favor of Cuffcath. We'll have to find out. And then Ryle hosting Trinity. And that one is in Union. Trinity better get on a bus right now and start driving up here if they want to get here with all that traffic that's going to be there on Friday. So uh, I, I dug a little deeper into what happened with Trinity early in the season, which I believe they started out losing their first five or six games. Their first win didn't come until they won at Cincinnati St. Xavier, who is one of the better teams in Ohio, defending state champion. And then you open your eyes like, what doesn't make any sense. Why they lose all their games, and then their first win comes against Cincinnati X. Apparently, they had some COVID problems early in the season. It must have decimated their roster to a point where they had to even forfeit a game against yeah. Moeller. So they had to forfeit a game against Moeller, started off slow, but we know the history. We know what Trinity's all about. And they were playing about. a tough schedule. It's not like they were playing right. just the local 2A teams. Yeah, they're playing teams from Indianapolis. Yeah. They're playing GCL schools. And, you know, Trinity, uh, they are what they are. We, we, we all know what they are. But we've seen Ryle against, you know, a Louisville powerhouse like Louisville St. Xavier, who played them to a 13-3 game early in the season. Um, you know, it's it's again that idea. Can this Ryle defense rise up like Cuffcath against Woodford County? Can the Ryle defense rise up against Trinity and keep their team in the game? Look, man, I'm riding with Jackson Belk and Gabe Savage. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, I'm not going to count those guys out and see what they can do against Trinity offense. And what a showcase for them, for two kids who we know how good they are. Yep. Now the entire state, because the entire state pays attention to what happens with Trinity. When you put those two kids out of the field, they're going to make plays, and they're going to show out, and they're going to show the rest of the state what they're all about. So I'm looking forward to seeing Ryle showcase their program in a really big-time atmosphere, in a big-time game with Trinity, to have that on their home field. I think that's really cool, and looking forward to that game. Final thought? Uh, a couple, okay? The first one would be just how sad I am to see some of these guys go. Yeah. Look, I know I did the gag last week where I poured one out for the mm-hmm. B.O.B. and Braxton Newborn. Uh, I, I can't repeat the gag. 
uh, again today. But there, there are so many good players that we don't get to watch again next year. And I'm talking about all the kids at Dixie. I'm talking about the kids at Connor, whose season came to an end. And, and there were so many other kids from other schools. The two kids I mentioned from Holy Cross, the great defensive players, whose seasons come to an end as well. Uh, it, it's it's how it goes. I mean, it cycles through. Guys move on and they play college football. I just hope, I hope the kids who want to play on the next level, I hope college coaches see what I see, see what you see, and we see guys that are really good football players and can play on the next level. I hope all those kids who want to get a chance to keep playing in their yeah. in their football careers. The other thing that stood out to me is as we go through all these results is. I think if we went back to like week four and week five, like if we hopped in a DeLorean and gunned it to 88 <laughs> and went back like two months and said, hey, man, you got to pick. And how many teams we have left? Seven. Seven teams. If you had to pick seven teams who are still going to be standing, I think we probably would have nailed them all. I think maybe Scott might be the one team that I I wasn't sure would be here. Scott or Holmes. Scott yeah. or Holmes, right. I get yeah, you. I get you. Kind of flip a coin, but. Newcath, yeah, we expect him to be here. Yep. Bishop Brosser, we saw this coming. We know Beachwood's one of the best teams in the state, regardless of class. Yep. Covcath is the best program in 5A, and they've, they've proven it again so far again this year in Northern Kentucky. And then Ryle, who we saw throughout the regular season, we, we saw them positioning themselves to be the best team locally in 6A, and they're all standing. Yes. And they're, you know, as, as wild as week one was of the high school football playoffs here in Northern Kentucky, where yeah. we saw a lot of teams flip the script who, who it might have gotten blown out in the regular season and then did the same thing to their opponent in that round. Now we're seeing the, the real, you know, cream rise at the top here. The, the better programs, the really good teams, the teams that we could have pinned about five or six weeks ago is likely to be here. They're here. Yeah. And now they have a chance to play for a regional championship and move downstate. My final thought is just a shout out to Simon Kenton football coach, Jeff Marksberry, who announced this week that he would be stepping down after a long and great career in independence. Um, not going to hide the fact that I'm a big fan of coach Marksberry. He's someone that I've leaned on uh, since becoming a head basketball coach in the same district. When coming for school advice, it's been my guy to call. Um, always enjoyed working his games as an official, working for his kids. It's a first-class program over there. He's a tremendous human being, great family man, and uh, will leave this program in a much better place than when he found that job. How long has he been head coach? I, I don't know. I I don't know, but maybe 20 years or somewhere around there. And look, man, when he got hired there, nobody wanted that job. No. And they I, hadn't won a game in like two or three years. When I was in high school in the late 90s, you know, Simon Kenton, you know, you go to Simon Kenton and it's a running clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, just start the clock now, yeah. right? I mean, he completely yes. changed that program. And, um, you know, the word I've used a lot here uh, for especially the seniors who are who are graduating and some of these programs who had great years, celebrate. Uh, I, Simon Kenton, the whole community needs to celebrate. Jeff yeah. Marksbury in, in, in a great career. And the cool thing is, you know, and I love when coaches leave and there's talent there and the, the, the cupboard's still full. And, and that's you think what, about yeah, it. I was going to say that too. To walk away now yeah. with what they have coming back shows his character. Yeah, because whoever walks in isn't going to walk in and fall on the face. Whoever yeah. walks in is going to walk into a very talented group and have a chance to, to get this thing back to where Coach Marksbury mm-hmm. had it in recent years. So uh, congratulations to Jeff. Um, you know, he, he obviously it doesn't mean just a lot to the football program. He, he means a lot to 
to the school there. Yeah. I mean, if you, you've seen the field house they have over there where uh, it's beautiful. Over there. They had the fire. They lost everything. And, yep. you know, he helped rebuild that and, and get that back on its feet. And what he does for the, the entire athletic program in Simon Kenton, uh, he deserves to retire. Yes, he does. He's done a lot of work yeah, and I done a lot be, of great. Being an AD and a football coach, that's, that's tough. That's tough. And with lot. all the COVID stuff the last couple of years, and look, nobody wanted to win these last couple of years more than Jeff Marksberry. And that will stay with him forever. But he's doing what he feels is best here. Hopefully that, you know, he gets to spend whatever time doing whatever in hell it is he wants to do, <laughs> including, you know, he's got two beautiful daughters. Well, he can cook, uh, apparently, uh, right? Man, can all, look at him. He, he, can, he <laughs> can cook. There ain't no <laughs> doubt. That guy, he ain't. Listen, you want to talk about cook. You ever met Michelle, his wife? She can cook. Life of the party, number one. Great. She's amazing. She makes the best cake. I don't know what it's called. But it's the best cake that I've ever had in my life, and I have tried for years. Uh, always giving her hell about it, trying to get the recipe. Or Not that I was going to make a cake, but amazing. How cool would it be if we had a cake here next week as we talked about these cakes? We might. We might. You know, we're just we'll trying see. to angle ourselves yeah, a little we'll bit see here. if uh, Michelle will just a little hear this and do that. And I wasn't picking on Jeff there, but, you know, that guy, he likes, he likes to grub a little bit. Who doesn't? Me. Yeah. I love to grub. Yeah. Well, you've seen that staff? They grub too. So there you go. <laughs> Listen, good luck to everybody this week. Safe travels to wherever you're going. Hopefully we have really good weather and we will see you sometime next week.